Chapter Seven of Clover. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Ellie. Clover by Susan Coolidge. Chapter Seven: Making Acquaintance. Phil was better than his word. He was never uncivil to Mrs. Watson, and his distant manners, which really signified distaste, were set down by that lady to boyish shyness. They are often like that when they are young, she told Clover. But they get bravely over it after a while. He'll outgrow it, dear and you mustn't let it worry you a bit meanwhile mrs watson's own flow of conversation was so ample that there was never any danger of awkward silences when she was present which was a comfort she had taken clover into high favour now and clover deserved it for though she protected herself against encroachments and resolutely kept the greater part of her free time for phil she was always considerate and sweet in manner to the older lady and found spare half-hours every day in which to sit and go out with her so that she should not feel neglected mrs watson grew quite fond of her young friend though she stood a little in awe of her too and was disposed to be jealous if any one showed more attention to clover than to herself an early outburst of this feeling came on the third day after their arrival when mrs hope asked phil and clover to dinner and did not ask mrs watson she had discussed the point with her husband but the doctor jumped on the idea forcibly and protested that if that old thing was to come to he would have a consultation in pueblo and be off in the five-thirty train sure as fate it's not that i care mrs watson assured clover plaintively i have had so much done for me all my life that of course but i do like to be properly treated it isn't as if i were just anybody i don't suppose mrs hope knows much about the boston society anyway but still and i should think a girl from south framingham didn't you say she was from south framingham would at least know who the abraham peabody's are and they are henry's but i don't imagine she was much of anybody before she was married and out here it's all hail fellow and well met they say though in that case i don't see well well it's no matter only it seems queer to me and i think you better drop a hint about it when you are there and just explain that my daughter lives next door to the lieutenant governor when she is in the country and opposite the assistant bishop in town and has one of the harvard overseers for a near neighbour and is distantly related to the reavers you'd think even a south framingham girl must know about the lantern and the old south and how much they've always been respected at home clover pacified her as well as she could by assurances that it was not a dinner-party and they were only asked to meet one girl whom mrs hope wanted her to know if it were a large affair i am sure you would have been asked too she said and so left the old woman of the sea partly consoled it was the most lovely evening possible as clover and phil walked down the street toward dr hope's soft shadows lay over the lower spurs of the ranges the canyons looked black and deep and the peaks still glittered in rosy light the mesa was in shadow but the nearer plain lay in full sunshine hot and yellow and the west wind was full of mountain fragrance phil gave little skips as he went along already he seemed like a different boy all the droop and languor had gone and given place to an exhilaration which half frightened clover who had constant trouble in keeping him from doing things which she knew to be imprudent dr hope had warned her that invalids often harmed themselves by overexertion under the first stimulus of the high air why how queer she exclaimed stopping suddenly before one of the pretty places just above mrs marsh's boarding-house what don't you see that yard when we came by here yesterday it was all green grass and rose-bushes and girls were playing croquet and now look it's a pond 
Sure enough, there were the rose bushes still and the crocket arches, but they were standing, so to speak, up to their knees in pools of water, which seemed several inches deeper and covered the whole place, with exception of the flagged walks which ran from the gates to the front and side doors of the house. Clover noticed now for the first time that these walks were several inches higher than the grass beds on either side. She wondered if they were made so on purpose and resolved to notice if the next place had the same arrangement. But as they reached the next place and the next, the phenomenon was repeated, and Dr. Hope's lawn was in the same condition. Everything was overlaid with water. They began to suspect what it must mean, and Mrs. Hope confirmed the suspicion. It was irrigation day in Mountain Avenue, it seemed. Every street in the town had its appointed period when the invaluable water, brought from a long distance for the purpose, was laid on and kept at a certain depth for the prescribed number of hours. We owe our grass and shrubs and flower-beds entirely to this arrangement, Mrs. Hope told them. Nothing could live through our dry summers if we did not have the irrigating system. Are the summers so dry? asked Clover. It seems to me that we have had a thunderstorm almost every day since we came. We do have a good many thunderstorms, Mrs. Hope replied, but we can't depend on them for the gardens. And did you ever hear such a magnificent thunder? asked Dr. Hope. Colorado thunder beats the world. Wait till you see our magnificent Colorado hail, put in Mrs. Hope wickedly. That beats the world too. It cuts our flowers to pieces and sometimes kills the sheep on the plains. We are very proud of it. The doctor thinks everything in Colorado perfection. I have always pitied places which had to be irrigated, remarked Clover, with her eyes fixed on the little twin lakes which yesterday were lawns. But I begin to think I was mistaken. It's very superior, of course, to have rains. But then, at the east we sometimes don't have rains when we want it, and the grass gets dreadfully yellow. Don't you remember, Phil, how hard Katie and I worked last summer to keep the geraniums and fuchsias alive in that long draught? Now, if we had had water like this to come once a week and make a nice tea pond for us, how different it would have been. Oh, you must come out west for real comfort, said Dr. Hope. The east is a dreadfully one-horse little place anyhow. But you don't mean New York and Boston, when you say one-horse little place, surely. Don't I? said the undaunted doctor. Wait till you see more of us out here. Here's Poppy at last, cried Mrs. Hope, as a girl came hurriedly up the walk. You are late, dear. Poppy, whose real name was Marian Chase, was the girl who had been asked to meet them. She was a tall, rosy creature, to whom Clover took an instant fancy, and seemed in perfect health. Yet she told them that when she had come out to Colorado three years before, she had travelled on a mattress, with a doctor and a trained nurse in attendance. "'Your brother will be as strong or stronger than I at the end of a year,' she said. "'Or if he doesn't get well as fast as he ought, you must take him up to the Ute Valley.' That's where I made my first gain. Where's that valley? Thirty miles away to the northwest, up there among the mountains. It's a great deal higher than this, and such a lovely peaceful place. I hope you'll go there. We shall, of course, if Phil needs it, but I like St. Helens so much that I would rather stay here if I can. Dinner was now announced, and Mrs. Hope led the way into a pretty room hung with engravings and old plates after the modern fashion, where a wide-spread table stood decorated with wild flowers, candlesticks with little red-shaped tapers, and a pyramid of plums and apricots. There was the usual succession of soup, fish, and roast, and salad, which one looks for at a dinner on sea level, winding up with ice cream of a highly civilized description but Clover could scarcely eat for wondering how all these things had come there so soon, so very soon. 
it seemed like magic a minute the solemn peaks and passes the prairie dogs and the thorny plain the next all these portiers and rugs and etchings and down pillows and pretty devices in glass and china as if some enchanter's wand had tapped the wilderness and hey presto modern civilization had sprung up like jonah's god all in a minute or the palace which aladdin summoned into being in a single night for the occupation of the princess of china by the rubbing of his wonderful lamp then just as the fruit plates were put on the table came a call and the doctor was out in the hall hollowing and conducting with some distant patient one of those mysterious telephonic conversations which to those who overhear them seem all replies and no questions it was most remarkable and quite unlike her preconceived ideas of what was likely to take place at the base of the rocky mountains a pleasant evening followed poppy played delightfully on the piano later came a rubber of whist it was like home before these children go let us settle about the drive said dr hope to his wife oh yes miss carr oh please won't you call me clover indeed i will clover then we want to take you for a good long drive to-morrow and show you something but the trouble is the doctor and i are at variance as to what the something shall be i want you to go see odin's garden and the doctor insists that you ought to go to see the cheyenne cannons first because those are his favorites now which shall it be we leave it to you but how can i choose i don't know either of them what a queer name odin's garden i tell you how you settle it cried mary and chase whose nickname it seemed to have been given to her because when she first came to st helen's she wore a bunch of poppies in her hat take them to cheyenne to-morrow and the next day or thursday let me get up a picnic for odin's garden just a few of our special cronies the Allens and the Blanchets and mary pelham and will amory will you dear mrs hope and be our matron it would be lovely mrs hope consented and clover walked home as if threading on air was this the st helen's to which she had looked forward with so much dread this gay delightful place where such pleasant things happened and people were so kind how she wished that she could get at katie and papa for five minutes on a wishing carpet or something to tell them how different everything was from what she had expected one thing only marred her anticipations for the morrow which was the fear that mrs watson might be hurt and make a scene happily mrs hope's thoughts took the same direction and by some occult process of influence the use of which good wives understand she prevailed on her refractory doctor to allow the old lady to be asked to join the party so early next morning came a very polite note and it was proposed that phil should ride the doctor's horse and act as escort to miss chase who was to go on horseback likewise no proposal could have been more agreeable to phil who had bought horses and seldom had the chance to mount one so everyone was pleased and mrs watson preened her ancestral feathers with great satisfaction you see my dear how well it was to give that little hint about the reavers and abraham peabody's she said clover felt dreadfully dishonest but she dared not confess that she had forgotten all about the hint still less that she had never meant to give one the better part of valorous discretion she remembered so she held her peace though her cheeks glowed guiltily at three o'clock they set forth in a light roomy carriage not exactly a carriole but of the carriole family with a pair of fast horses miss chase and phil happily cantering alongside or before or behind just as it happened the sun was very hot but there was a delicious breeze and the dryness and elasticity of the air made the heat easy to bear the way lay across and down the southern slope of the plateau on which the town was built then they came to splendid fields of grain and alfalfa 
a cereal quite new to them with broad very green leaves the roadside was gay with flowers chilias and mountain palm high pink and purple spikes like foxgloves which they were told were pentestaments painter's brush whose green tips seemed dipped in liquid vermilion and masses of splendid wild poppies they crossed a foaming little river and a sharp turn brought them into a narrower and wilder road which ran straight toward the mountainside this was overhung by trees whose shade was grateful after the hot sun narrower and narrower grew the road and more and more sharp the turns they were at the entrance of a deep defile up which the road wound and wound followed the links of the river which they crossed and recrossed repeatedly such a wonderful and perfect little river with water clear as air and cold as ice flowing over a bed of smooth granite here slipping noiselessly down long slopes of rock like thin films of glass there deepening into pools of translucent blue-green like aquamarine or beryl again plunging down in mimic waterfalls a sheet of iridescent foam the sound of its rush and its ripple was like a laugh never was such happy water clover thought as it curved and bent and swayed this way and that on its downward course as it moved by some merry capricious instinct like a child dancing as it goes regiments of great ferns grew along its banks and immense thickets of wild roses of all shades from deep jacqueminot red to pale bluish white here and there rose a lonely spike of yucca and in the little ravines to right and left grew in the crevices of rocks clumps of superb straw-colored columbines four feet high looking up clover saw above the tree-tops strange pinnacles and spires and obelisks which seemed air-hung of purple-red and orange-tawny and pale pinkish-gray and terracotta which in the sunshine and cloud-shadows broke in a multiplicity of wonderful half-tints above them was the dazzling blue of the colorado sky she drew a long long breath so this is a canyon she said how glad i am that i have lived to see one yes this is a canyon dr hope replied some of us think it the canyon but there are dozens of others and not two of them i like i am glad you are pleased with this for it's my favorite i wish your father could see it clover hardly understood what he said she was so fascinated and absorbed she looked up at the bright pinnacles down at the flowers and the sheen of the river pools and the mad rush of its cascades and felt as though she were in a dream through the dream she caught half-comprehended fragments of conversation from the seat behind mrs watson was giving her impressions of the scenery it's pretty i suppose she remarked but it's so very queer and i am not used to queer things this road is frightfully narrow if a load of hay a big concord coach should come along i can't think what we should do i see that mr hope drives carefully but yet you don't think we shall meet anything of the kind to-day do you doctor not a concord coach and certainly not a hay-wagon for they don't make hay up here in the mountains well that is a relief i didn't know ellen she always says mother you're a real fidget but when one grows old and has wealth in the heart as i have you never we might meet one of those big peddlers wagons though and the frightened horse is worse than anything oh what's that coming now let us get out dr hope pray let us get out sit still ma'am said the doctor sternly for mrs watson was wildly fumbling at the fastening of the door mary put your arm around mrs watson and hold her tight there'll be a real accident sure as fate if you don't then in a gentler tone it's only a buggy ma'am there's plenty of room there's no possible risk of a peddler's wagon what on earth would a peddler be doing up here on the side of the cheyenne prairie dogs don't use potato or tinware oh i didn't know repeated poor mrs watson nervously 
She watched the buggy timorously till it was safely passed, then her spirits revived. Well, she cried, we are safe this time, but I call it tempting providence to drive so fast on such a rough road. If all canyons are as wild as this, I shan't ever venture to go into another. Bless me, this is one of our mildest specimens, said Dr. Hope, who seemed to have a perverse desire to give Mrs. Watson a distaste for canyons. This is a smooth one, but some canyons are real rough. Do you remember, Mary, the day we got stuck up at the top of Westmoreland, and we had to unhitch the horses, and how I stood in the middle of the creek and yanked the carriage around while you held them? That was the day we heard the mountain lion, and there were fresh beer tracks all over the mud, you remember? Good gracious, cried Mrs. Watson, quite pale. What an awful place! Beers and lions! What on earth did you go there for? Oh, bully for pleasure, replied the doctor lightly. We don't mind such little matters out west. We try to accustom ourselves to wild beasts and make friends of them. John, don't talk such nonsense, cried his wife quite angrily. Mrs. Watson, you mustn't believe a word the doctor says. I lived in Colorado nine years, and I have never once seen a mountain lion or a beer either except the stuffed ones in the shops. Don't let the doctor frighten you. But Dr. Hope's wicked work was done. Mrs. Watson, quite unconvinced by these well-meant assurances, sat pale and awestruck, repeating under her breath, Dreadful! What will Ellen say? Beers and lions! Oh, dear me! Look, look! cried Clover, who had not listened to a word of this conversation. Did you ever see anything so lovely? She referred to what she was looking at. A small point of pale, straw-colored rock, some hundreds of feet in height, which a turn in the road had just revealed, soaring above the tops of the trees. I don't see that it's lovely at all, said Mrs. Watson testily. It's unnatural, if that's what you mean. Rocks ought not to be that color. They never are at the east. It looks to me exactly like an enormous unripe banana standing on end. This simile nearly finished the party. It's big enough to disagree with all the Sunday schools in creation at once remarked the doctor, beneath his shouts, while even Clover shook with laughter. Mrs. Watson felt that she had made a hit, and grew complacent again. "'See what your brother picked for me,' cried Poppy, riding alongside and exhibiting a great chief of columbine tied to the pommel of her saddle. "'And how do you like North Cheyenne? Isn't it an exquisite place?' "'Perfectly lovely. I feel as if I must come here every day.' "'Yes, I know, but there are so many other places out here about which you have that feeling.' Now we'll show you the other Cheyenne cannon, the twin of this, said Dr. Hope. But you must prepare your mind to find it entirely different. After a rather rough mile or two through woods, they came to a wooden shed or shanty at the mouth of a gorge, and here Dr. Hope drew up his horses and helped them out. Is it much of a walk? asked Mrs. Watson. It is rather long and steep, said Mrs. Hope, but it is lovely if you only go a little way in and you and I shall sit down the moment you feel tired, and let the others go forward. South Cheyenne Cannon was indeed entirely different. Instead of a green-floored, wine-rung ravine, it is a wild mountain gorge, walled with precipitous cliffs of great height, and its river, every canyon has a river, comes from a source at the top of the gorge in a series of mad leaps, forming seven waterfalls, which plunge into circular basins of rocks, one smooth by the action of the stream. These pools were curiously various in shape, and the color of the water, as it pauses a moment to rest in each before taking its next plunge, is beautiful. Little blank walks were laid along the riverside, and rude staircases for the steepest pitches. Up these the party went, leaving Mrs. Watson and Mrs. Hope far behind, Poppy with her habit over her arm, Clover stopping every moment to pick some new flower, Phil shying stones in the rapids as he passed, 
till the top of the topmost cascade was reached and looking back they could see the whole wonderful way by which they had climbed and down which the river made its turbulent rush clover gathered the great mat of green scarlet buried wine like glorified cranberry which dr hope told her was the famous kinnikinnick and was just remarking on the cool water sounds which filled the place when all of a sudden these sounds seemed to grow angry the defile of precipices turned a frowning blue and looking up they saw a great thunder-cloud gathering overhead we must run cried dr hope and down they flew racing at full speed along the long flights of steps and plank walks which echoed at the sound of their flying feet far below they could see two fast-moving specks which they guessed to be mrs hope and mrs watson hurrying to a place of shelter nearer and nearer came the storm louder the growl of the thunder and great hailstones pattered on their heads before they gained the cabin none too soon for in another moment the cloud broke and the air was full of a dizzy whirl of sleet and rain others besides themselves had been surprised in the ravine and every few minutes another and another wet figure would come flying down the path so that the little refuge was soon full the storm lasted half an hour then it scattered as rapidly as it had come the sun broke out brilliantly and the drive home would have been delightful if it had not been for the sad fact that mrs watson had left her parasol in the carriage and it had been wet and somewhat stained by the india-rubber blanket which had been thrown over it for protection her lamentations were pathetic jane phillips gave it to me she was a samson you know and i thought ever so much of it it was at hovis we were there together and i admired it and she said mrs watson you must let me six dollars was the price of it that's a good deal for a parasol you know unless it's a really nice one but hovis things are always nice i had the handle shortened a little just before i came away too so that it would go into my trunk it had to be mended anyhow so that it seemed good dear dear and now it's spoiled what a pity i left it in the carriage i shall know better another time but this climate is so different it never rains in this way at home it takes a little while about it and gives notice and we say that there is going to be a northeaster or that it looks like a thunderstorm and we put on our second-best clothes or we stay at home it's a great deal nicer i think i am so sorry said kind little mrs hope our storms out here do come up very suddenly i wish i had noticed that you had left your parasol well clover you have had a chance now to see the doctor's beautiful colorado hail and thunder to perfection how do you like them i like everything in colorado i believe replied clover laughing i won't even accept the hail she's the girl for this part of the world cried dr hope approvingly she'd make a first-rate pioneer we'll keep her out here mary and never let her go home she was born to live at the west was i it seems queer then that i should have been born to live in burnet oh we'll change that i'm sure i don't see how there are ways and means regularly mrs watson was so cast down by the misadventure of her parasol that she expressed no regret at not being asked to join in the picnic next day especially as she understood that it consisted of young people mrs hope very rightly decided that a whole day out of doors in a rough place would give pain rather than pleasure to a person who was both so feeble and so fussy and did not suggest her going clover and phil woke up quite fresh and untired after a sound night's sleep there seemed no limit to what might be done and enjoyed in that inexhaustibly renovating air odin's garden proved to be a wonderful assemblage of rocky shapes rising from the grass and flowers of a lonely little plain on the far side of the mesa four or five miles from st helen's 
the name of the place came probably from something suggestive in the forms of the rocks which reminded clover of pictures she had seen of assyrian and egyptian rock carvings there were lion shapes and bull shapes like the rudely chiselled gods of some heathen worship there were slender points and obelisks three hundred feet high and something suggesting a cat-faced deity and queer similitudes of crocodiles and apes all in the strange orange and red and yellow formations of the region it was a wonderful rather than a beautiful place but the day was spent very happily under those mysterious stones which as the long afternoon shadows gathered over the plain and the sky glowed with sunset crimson which seemed like a reflection from the rocks themselves became more mysterious still of the merry young party which made up the picnic seven out of nine had come to colorado for health but no one would have guessed it they seemed so well and so full of enjoyment of life altogether it was a day to be marked not with a white stone that would not have seemed appropriate to colorado but with a red one clover writing about it afterward to elsie felt that her descriptions to sober stay-at-homes might easily sound overdrawn and exaggerated and wound up her letter thus perhaps you think that i am romancing but i am not a bit every word i say is perfectly true i only have made the colors half bright or the things half beautiful enough colorado is the most beautiful place in the world m b clover had seen but a limited portion of the world so far i only wish you could all come out to observe for yourselves that i am not fibbing though it sounds like it End of chapter seven recording by ellie september two thousand and nine